nobleuschool.com. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble. I hope you're doing well. And uh, I was remiss the other day, and, and I, this is how your brain works, uh, <clears throat> at 57. Remember Nancy Reagan? Remember that? And she was like, just say no to drugs. Remember that whole thing? And, uh, and then they would show some of those commercials. They showed the, the hot frying pan, right? I think it was a cast iron frying pan. And they're like, this is, this is your... This is your brain, and they're looking at an egg, and then they drop the egg, and it's frying in the pan, and they say, this is your, this is your brain on drugs. Or just say no. Remember that, the whole campaign? Uh, well, that, that's, uh, that's kind of like me. You don't, your brain doesn't always work effectively. So I came into the studio today, and I'm like, hey, Josh, uh, pull up the 9-11 picture, and let's put that up on the screen here in the studio because I'm going to uh, – I've never done this before and asked people what – because I talked about – I shared my 9-11 story on Monday, and I'm like – I, I haven't asked people like to share their 9-11 stories, either that day, uh, shortly thereafter, or just generally how 9-11 impacted you. For some people, there's military stories involved in there. It's really shocking how many how far you don't have to go to find somebody that has a direct tie to one of the nearly 3,000 people that died that day back in 2001. And I was like, yeah, I haven't really done that before. And Josh is like, oh, uh, you did it last year. He thinks so. I don't remember. Uh, but I'm going to do it again anyway. And that's just the deal. When you're 57. So did I do it before? Did I not? Uh, I have no direct recollection of that. So I'd like to do that today to give you an opportunity to call in. Because I know many of you, uh, and I saw comments on Facebook and stuff. And then later after the show was over and people watched it. Were, uh, had their own, you, I think pretty much all of us over the age of what? Uh, over the age of maybe 35, because that was 22 years ago. So if, if probably you got to be at least 30. You, you would have been eight on 9-11. You got to be at least 30, but probably more like 35, probably early teens, late 10, 11, 12, 13. And, but everybody in America that was around for that. We all have vivid memories of that. For a lot of us, that was our day that JFK was assassinated moment. You know where you were. You have that recollection. So I'm just curious and wanted to give you the opportunity because I want to uh, do what I can every time this, this every every time a year when 9/11 rolls around to to kind of you know revisit that keep that alive keep our memories alive and and be willing to share that. So if you have some 9/11 memories, maybe that day, uh, maybe it altered the trajectory of your life. It certainly did with me. I shared the story the other day with some of my students, and. Uh, I said, yeah, that, that was the first time I really kind of got outside of my own little world and attempted to do something for somebody else. And, and God bless that effort. And so that, that kind of opened the door for me to being an activist. Now, obviously, raising some money and giving it to a widow of a firefighter in New York uh, isn't, isn't political activism, but it is activism. It's doing something rather than nothing. And so that, that really opened up in my heart and in my mind and in my view of myself. That, hey, you know what? I, I think I can make a difference here in this world. I, I don't know how big of a difference, but I think I can make a difference. 
other than just in my own family and my immediate surroundings. I, I think I think maybe I could do more than what I'm doing. And so 9-11 to me was pivotal because that's when that started. Uh, and then for other people, I know people who went back to the military, sons and daughters joined the military, and other people whose lives were uh, altered in significant ways because of 9-11. So if you have a 9-11 story and you'd like to share to help keep this, let's all do our part to never forget and keep that alive, uh, I'd love to hear from you today on the show. 866-34-TRUTH, as always. 866-34-TRUTH. That's also 866-348-7884. And I'd love for you to call in and share your 9-11 story, Uh, not just mine from the other day. 866-34-TRUTH or 866-348-7884. Let's go. Hey, Josh, let's listen to uh, President Biden's 9-11 story. Do we have that? Ground Zero in New York. And I remember standing there the next day and looking at the building. I felt like I was looking through the gates of hell. It looked so devastating because the way you could away from where you could stand. Shanksville, Pennsylvania. All right. That, that's kind of wow. And now that's pretty intense, right? I mean, he's there the next day. So, so September 11, 2001. And Joe Biden's there as a U.S. senator the next day at Ground Zero 2001, uh, September 12th. And he's there the next day. Man, I'm sure that made quite the impression on the then senator, now president. Joe Biden probably the problem is that if you actually bother to look that up, he didn't go to ground zero until nine days after the attack. So it wasn't September 12th. It was September 20th. But we have a president of the United States who either can't remember or doesn't care to remember. I think he's probably been a serial liar for a long time because he's been caught in these other things where, yeah, this story and that story. And you're like, yeah, that that actually didn't happen, sir. Uh, I don't think he cares. I, I, I think could part of that be a function of age? Sure. But mostly, no, I just think he's a lying, stealing, cheating politician. I think Joe Biden is, is prototypical for what we all think of as a terrible kind of politician. So um, one of the reporters that was actually doing their job today asked the question. This was a John Kirby. So he's, so he's following up on this one. And uh, let's see where the trail follows. Let's see where, let's just follow this trail, see where it goes. Are you ready? Let's go. Uh, John, um, in the past couple of weeks, the president has lied about being at ground zero the day after the September 11th attacks, falsely claimed he saw the Pittsburgh Bridge collapse, uh, claimed his grandfather died in the hospital days before his birth. What is going on with the president? Is he just believing things that didn't happen did happen, or is he just randomly making stuff up? The president uh, was... Listen. Deeply touched and honored to be able to spend 9-11 with uh, military members there in Alaska and some families. Huh? Uh, and uh, was, uh, was, was honored by their presence and the chance to what? make an um, important set of remarks about why we need to continue to remember that day. Uh. Um, and he did that. Um, and he spoke about uh, a visit to Ground Zero, which he did participate in, uh, about a week or so after uh, the, the event. Um, and what that looked and what that smelled and what like, like that felt like. Uh, and it had a visceral impact on him, as it did so many other Americans on that <laughs> terrible day. And he's focused on oh, making sure clearly. that an attack like that never happens again. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Washington, D.C. Welcome to the swamp. Welcome to politicians. You ask one question. I don't like the question. I can't give you the answer, so I give you a different answer. Uh, is he just lying? What's going on there? Well, you know, he really appreciated the opportunity to spend some time with some folks on 9-11. And he, and he was there, you know, it was a week or so later. Yeah, why, why does he keep lying about this stuff? Crickets. 
Although 70% of Americans are like, this guy's too old. 866-34-TRUTH. What's your... If a friend of yours tells you you kind of sound like Bill Clinton, what do you do with that? <laughs> oh, thanks, Nina. Um, welcome back. It is Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. Following up on 9-11 on Monday, I shared my story <clears throat> from 9-11. Now my question is, what's your story? It could be from that day. And, and just going back to that day, I, what, how, what kind of a, a impact did 9-11 have on you? And I... And I I'm perfectly happy to take another day and talk about this. There's a bunch of other news stories I could talk about, but I wanted to open up this opportunity for you to share that day in the ensuing days. Maybe it's a military story. Maybe you actually know somebody that was somehow related to Ground Zero. I was just reading. uh, I have a family. I taught their daughter in one of my classes, and uh, they posted something the other day. Uh, It's the husband. And uh, I was like, what? And they just posted, posted this a couple days ago, uh, dealing with a hospital visit. About the same time a day 22 years ago, my husband was picked up from the smoldering remains of the North and South Towers. I don't, I don't think I knew this. And again, they're, they're, I had their daughter in, one, in a couple of my classes that I teach. She returned home dust-covered but without any physical harm. And then they, she was relating that to her husband uh, dealing with some hospital stuff in, uh, right now. And I was like, Huh? Like, like, what was he doing there? Like, like, there's a lot of people that were dust covered, right? When the towers fell. And so that's my question. It, was it, uh, do you have a personal connection to 9-11 or how it affected your life or changed your life or your family's life or somebody that you know? And I think it's important for us to keep those stories alive. It's been 22 years. And oftentimes, like most of our kids and grandkids don't have any memories of it. So it's, it's on us. We don't want them to be the Joshua generation that doesn't remember anything because we didn't tell them. We need to tell them. So it helps to talk about it and keep these things alive and to pass these stories around. That's the way we need to do this. So if you have a 9-11 story, either that day, how it affected you, somebody you know, I would love for you to call in and share that. I know we all would. We would all appreciate that. So if you have one, uh, to put the hard sell on you, you're a steward of that. You're a steward of that experience, and, and, and it can't just remain in your possession. You need to be willing to share that because you do not know what the Lord will do with the testimony, a story, something. It could encourage. It could inspire. It could help somebody. You do not know, which is why you can't keep those things to yourself. Okay? So I would love for you to call in, and I'll give you all the time you want to tell your story. 866 866- Three four eight seven eight eight four or eight six six thirty four truth to call in and share nine eleven that day how it impacted you or somebody you know eight six six three four eight seven eight eight four or eight six six thirty four truth and I would be willing to guess ninety five percent of us were alive on that day that are in this audience right now so everybody here has got a nine eleven story okay so call in and share yours please eight six six three four eight seven eight eight four or 866-34-TRUTH. And so I asked her, was he working at the Trade Center? I seem to recall uh, their daughter mentioning that. It did ring a bell. And she said, uh, yes, sir, directly across from the North Tower, watched the second plane hit right in front of him from his office window. Could you imagine dealing with that? That, that was my uncle. He had a bird's eye view, the great office in Manhattan. And he had a bunch of people in his office. I think he said he had like 10, 15 people in his office. The first plane had hit, and then they watched the second plane go in. Like, how do you process that for the rest of your life? That would be 
uh, remarkably difficult, would it not? And so what's your 9-11 story? You got a couple of people uh, on hold, so we'll get to that here. I'll jump over here and uh, go to Celia, who's calling in from Raleigh. Celia, thanks for calling. You're on with Steve. Go right ahead. Thank you. Um, yes, I wanted to share my story. Um, back when this happened, I was working for 911 with the city of Raleigh. Wow. And I was a backslider at the time. I had stepped out to smoke. And when I came back in, a coworker said to me, Celia, an airplane just hit one of the Twin Towers. So we had TVs then in um, the emergency center. And so I stood there, and I remember watching the TV. So about three minutes later, the second plane hit the other tower. And I... Fear, such fear came over me mm. that I could not move because, in all honesty, I thought the rapture had come <laughs> and I had been left behind. Oh, wow. That was my first thought. And I was paralyzed with fear, literally. Mm. And I just stood there and watched and thinking, okay, how many more planes are going to drop out of the right. air? And I knew that my soul wasn't right mm. with the Lord. And I honestly felt I had been left behind. So like so many people, you know, we were all hurting. We were very emotional. Everybody wanted to go to church then in prayer. And I go to Bishop Wooden's church. Um, mm, yes, You're a brother from another mother. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> and I recall him saying, yeah, everybody rushed to church then, you know. But as soon as things kind of eased over, what happened? And I was one of those. But that fear that gripped me that day i never forgot it Mm. i never forgot it and granted about four years passed but that plays such a huge huge role in me rededicating my life to christ so that in the event that christ does come at any moment i won't have to be fearful the next time a plane crashes into a building i'll just know that a plane crashed and that i haven't been left behind so that was my story i've just never forgotten it man that's so powerful and a great reminder for all of us celia god bless you sister thank you so much for calling in if you see uh, uh bishop you. on sunday tell him i said hello most definitely all right bye-bye. great thank you bye-bye that and that's one of those things you have to take stock that's why when those moments come <clears throat> and thank you for calling oh, that's a powerful powerful story 866-348-7884 uh what about you what's your story we all have one when it comes to 9-11 there's no way you don't, unless you weren't alive. And then if you're that young, I'm surprised you're listening to this show. But that's fine. That's cool. 866-348-7884. We had several people on, on calling in, and something happened with the phones. So uh, please try again. We'd love to get you on the air, 866-348-7884 or 866-34-TRUTH. And, and that, that's, take stock of those things. And that, that's where you go, okay, uh, was I left behind? When something crazy like that happens, I think that's a really healthy question. You, you work out your fear, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I, 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 I'm not comfortable when people doubt their salvation, but usually that's because they don't really understand the gospel. They haven't really spent the time in the scriptures to see that once you're Jesus's, nobody's going to snatch you out of his hand. And so you, and, and I can, I can understand struggling with it. I, golly, I mean, I don't know that my life has changed that much. I don't, <clears throat> that can be really healthy. But then to question, like I missed the rapture. Yeah, that, that's a heart stopper right there. And then, does fear grip your heart? So you probably have heard of the Wesley boys, right? John Wesley, the Wesley boys who came to America in the 1700s to come 
try to reach the Indians, the American Indians, with the gospel. And it, it, was, it was on that trip here that not one, but both of them realized, I'm scared to die. And, and these, are, these are preachers, trained preachers. I'm scared to die. And maybe, maybe I'm not ready to die. Maybe I'm not actually a Christian. And both Wesley brothers, when they sailed back to Great Britain, both of them would then say their conversion happened then on the way back. And one of the Wesleys, you probably sing his songs, went on to write 6,000 hymns. So praise the Lord, Celia, that God in his sovereignty confronted you that day with your fear. And can you imagine? I've been left behind. I thought I was a Christian. What in the world? Yep. Have some business to do. And the Lord did it. And here you are, Celia. Pray. I've been waiting on a war since I was young. Since I was a little boy with a toy gun. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. Celia, thanks for calling in and sharing. I want to go to Victoria. Your 9-11 stories. Maybe that day, maybe something happened after. Maybe it was a family member or a friend. But how did 9-11 impact your life personally? We all have one of these stories, so would love to hear yours. 866-348-7884 is our number as always, or 866-34-TRUTH. Victoria, thanks for calling. Thanks for waiting. Go right ahead. Hi, Steve. Uh, well, my story, it was prior to the Lord calling me to himself, and I was scheduled to go on a business trip. I lived in Indiana at the time, and the business trip it was to take me to Las Vegas. And I had to call through our company, our travel agency, to book a flight. And I always flew, you know, early morning flights. Yeah. That was my preference. And she said, you know, we have no flights and early morning. And I was like, how can that be? Always fly early. So I was booked on a later flight that day. And so I... I went out and had took a jog and everything and heard a little bit of it on the radio. And by the time I came home, then everything was on television. And, you know, looking back, now that the Lord has called me to himself for the past um, 20 years, the sovereignty of God, because had I gotten on a plane that early morning, you know, when everything shut down, everything mm-hmm. had to land. It would have just been chaotic for my kids, my family. And so that always impacted me. There was a reason why mm-hmm. out of all the flights that I've ever, you know, been on early morning, that day, that time, there wasn't any. And uh look back and just see the hand of God. Yeah. And uh, so that's my story. Also, later on that week, I was in sales. My sales manager rode with me, and he said, well, life goes on, Victoria. We have to just keep doing what we do on a daily basis. And and I told him, I said, can you imagine the countless number of children whose parents are not coming home? How can we just be that nonchalant about it? Right. And so, um, you know, it just impacted me. from an emotional standpoint and to yeah. and to really um, care about people and to pray for individuals when they suffer, you know, does tragedy. That, so. 
does that memory and thinking about the providence of God, Victoria, does that does that specifically does that kind of get on and off your radar on a fairly regular basis? Do you kind of look back at that and remember it? Here we are, twenty two years later. Yes, I do. Um, yes, I yes I do, and I believe that that impacted me to the point that I look at life differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once you come to the full knowledge of who, who God is and Jesus Christ is son and our savior, then, you know, you know, that, you know, yeah. and so I share that story with everyone with, um, I just shared it with my daughter who wasn't born at the time. Hmm. And, you know, just to solidify, you know, there is a God, I can't answer every question, but I know he is real, and I know that day that was a reason why I did not get on a flight that I yeah. generally would have gotten on. Yeah. Amen. Victoria, thanks so much for calling and sharing. I really appreciate that. Have a great evening. You too. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much. 866-348-7884. See, there's all different kinds of ways that 9-11 plays into people's lives, uh, both then and now. 866 348 7884 or 866-34-TRUTH. <clears throat> My uh, cousin Vance, who uh, has been a great blessing, we re- kind of reconnected at my father's uh, memorial out in the mountains here in North Carolina. And, and Vance has been on Facebook Live just like 95% of the time <laughs> since then. And Vance, I just can't tell you how much of a blessing that is uh, that you invest some of your time in your goofy cousin. But Listen to this. He put this on Facebook Live. My son had spent four years in the Army from 95 to 99, including two years spent in Bosnia. He got out of the Army and joined the Navy in 2000. I was thankful he wasn't still an Army infantryman and had switched to be an aircraft maintainer. Although he spent numerous tours around the Persian Gulf and Indian Ocean, he was never in direct combat. See, there again, you just go, okay, Lord, praise the Lord. I don't always know what's going on here, but I'm going to praise you especially when you see something like that, because if, if Vance's son had still been in the Army in 2001, 9-11, then it didn't take long for our men and women in the military to get engaged in Afghanistan and then in Iraq. So there, there is just one of those things that you just look back. And that perspective, and to Victoria's point, uh, whether it's 9-11 or something else in your life, that you become a steward of that, that experience, what the Lord has taught you, what he's shown you. And then we need to share that, which is why I'm asking you to do that on the air today, because you don't know how that could encourage or affect somebody else. I've said this many times before. I say it often in class and other settings. I'm like, listen, for us as followers of Jesus Christ, when it comes to these experiences and wisdom and knowledge and the things that the Lord has brought us through, and we need to be thinking of ourselves like a Walmart distribution center. So think about a Walmart distribution center or an Amazon distribution center. Let's let's update the uh, example here, uh, the, the analogy. The What's supposed to stay ultimately in an Amazon distribution center? What should stay in there if things are going well? Uh, the answer to that would be nothing. Nothing stays in there. It goes in, it goes out. It comes in, it goes out. It comes in, it goes out. So your experiences, your gifting, your money, uh, your time, uh, where the Lord has walked you, where he's delivered you from. Those things come into your life and then you got to turn around and use them somewhere. They need to go somewhere. Does that make sense? 
they go somewhere. So nothing stays. So if you're hoarding stories, wisdom, knowledge, testimony, experience, that's bad stewardship. Okay. So you need to be like, okay, I need, so if, if right now you're thinking, yeah, I actually do have a 9-11 story and I don't want to call in, I'm a little nervous to call in. Okay. This isn't about you. I'm going to speak frankly to you. This isn't about you. This isn't about being nervous. This isn't about being, um, I might sound like an idiot. Uh, you're holding on to something that's not yours to keep. You're hoarding. So we have to be willing to share our testimonies and our stories. <clears throat> and, and that's what I'm doing. 866-348-7884 or 866-34-TRUTH. Steve, are you, are you trying to guilt trip us into calling? I don't think that's my motivation. I'm just your brother. And I know this is the deal that we hold on to a lot of things. Ah, my story's not as, as intense as Victoria's or it's not like Celia's. Oh, this, this, is, this isn't dancing with the stars. We're not comparing to one another. We're just sharing what you've been able to learn, how you've been able to grow, what the Lord's done in your life. Don't hoard that. And that's the problem with the Joshua generation. There, there came a generation that did not know the Lord. Why not? Because uh, their parents didn't tell them. They didn't teach them. They let it go. And, th and that's a problem, right? And then you get the Joshua generation and everything after that <clears throat> when we forget. So just take the opportunity if you have a 9-11 story that impacted you, impacted somebody else, and call in and share it. 866-348-7884 is the number. 866-348-7884 or 866-34-TRUTH. My sister on uh, Facebook Live was like, hey, I started paying a lot more attention to the government. I, yep, me too. Uh, because of things like the Patriot Act and all that stuff. Remember all that? And then you're just like, what, what's actually going on here? <laughs> so I think a lot of us, and the big question was, how did this happen? So the CIA is not talking to the FBI? Uh, that's a problem. Thus, eventually that led to uh, the newest cabinet position that we have in this country, which is the Office of Homeland Security. So there are all kinds of things going on. But those are the questions. How can there be like two callers and then they disappear? What up? What up with that, Josh? That's so bizarre. I love technology. Uh, and so that also like one of the things I did before going to Ground Zero is uh, had this flair of patriotism. Right. And so I bought. People were starting to put those American flags on their windshield or on the on the windows. You know, you stick them in your window, put your window back up. They're plastic, not very big. I bought like a hundred of them, and then I got permission at our son's uh, private Christian school. I said, "Can I stand in line and carpool line in the morning and just get these things out? Would you guys mind if I did that?" And they're like, "No, go right ahead." I'm like, "Okay, can I ask for donations? Because I paid for all these things." And like, "Yeah," I said. The people say, like, "How much?" I'm like. Whatever, you can give me a buck, a couple bucks, whatever, I don't care. But literally did that with a big box of flags standing out there in the line of my drop-off line at my son's Christian school here in Raleigh. It was in RCA. And, and you're just doing something, right? I, I got to do something. I can't do nothing. I have to do something. Hey, Don, on hold, I'm going to hit the commercial break in 20 seconds. That's why you're hearing the music. So, Don, if you would be so kind to hold the break, I'll pull you up right after we come out of the commercial break. And then after we're done talking to you, Don, then Sherry, I'm going to jump over to you and you can share your story. And then we might have room for one more if you'd like. 866-348-7884 is the number. 866-348-7884 or 866-34-TRUTH. How did...
Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show, just sharing uh, your stories about 9-11 and how that impacted you, whether it was that day or something later. Uh, just encouraging you to call in and share that. So I'm going to go to Don here, and then Sherry, I'll get to you in just a minute. Don, thanks for calling. Thanks for holding. Go right ahead. Well, I, I love the show. I listen to it every day. Thank you. I just you. realized that maybe my story isn't something to do with my um, relationship with God. However, I am so much closer with them now than I was at this time. But I worked in Chicago in a high rise and right off Lake Michigan. And when we heard that we, the news of the planes crashed, everyone was like warning us that the plane could hit Chicago next. Yeah. We, could be one, we could be one of the buildings. And our company, real conservative, no, we're not leaving. We're not leaving. Mm-hmm. So we had to stay there. And my wife's company, a bank, had them get in a train and drive and go to the suburbs where they had another branch and keep working. And I was like, no, you're not going. I don't care. I made her go home with me. And later on in her six-month review, she got dinged for not being a team player and not going on the train on on (laughs) 9-11. Isn't that that's so that's so ridiculous? I mean, it was like the worst thing ever, and the companies were still it's the bottom dollar, you know. Jeez. Um, and what, then what? later on, yeah. go go ahead. Later on, well, later on, all of the buildings, like the Standard Oil building, and all the buildings around us would do fire drills, and you had to walk at least the distance of the the length of the building um, in case it would ever get hit and fall. Yeah. And uh, evacuate the first three floors above and the first three floors below. So there was some section that came out of it, but I I know it's not God related too much. But no, it's uh, fine. That Don, happened to me. What yeah. building were you working in? I lived in Chicago. Well, I was on 55 East Monroe, across from uh, the the um, uh, Art Institute. Yep. So it's not a real tall building, but I was on the 31st floor. You could look over the lake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. my dad had uh, his office on the 90th floor of the Sears Tower for like 18 years. Oh. Okay. And, yeah, that's yeah. one of the things I thought about that morning. Now, my, my parents uh, uh, weren't there, but I was like, why not the Sears? I mean, the, how obvious is that? The Sears Tower just skyrocketing there in the middle of Chicago. It's it, it's not that difficult yeah. to hit. Uh, easier to hit the Sears Tower than it would be to hit the Twin Towers in New York, I would think. Well, that's what we were – Everyone was warning they're coming and they're going to be hitting other right. buildings. Uh, so, yep. It was a yeah. scary moment. And, uh, yep. That, that thing on 60 Minutes with the firefighters was just phenomenal oh, last yeah. Sunday. Oh, man. But Incredible. anyway, okay. Thank you for listening. Thanks, yeah. Don. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing. I appreciate that. And that was, man, talk about dealing with fear. Fear, finality, mortality. Man, it's heavy. Let's go to Sherry. He's calling in from North Carolina. Sherry, thanks for waiting. Go right ahead. Can you hear me? I can. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I was um, homeschooling the morning the to- uh, the planes hit the towers, and I had a newborn baby and a four- and five-year-old, I think. And my husband called because he's in the North Carolina National Guard and said, turn on the TV. And so we watched and were overwhelmed and didn't know how it would impact us. Um, until time passed on. And because our military 
had been reduced so much over the years, the guardsmen from all the na- all the states were very much utilized. Yeah. So after 9-11, my newborn baby didn't see her dad for three of the first six years of her life. Oh, man. Because he joyfully, he wanted to serve. Yeah. Um, he was supporting Operation Noble Eagle, Operation Desert Storm, or Operation Iraqi Freedom. And he served three different tours as a North Carolina National Guardsman, leaving his normal job, you know, away from us, but serving the country in a beautiful, beautiful way. And by the grace of God, you know, he was um, protected. But we talk about, and, you know, it's so sad how it impacted, um, you know, so many people that day. But obviously, it had residual effects that really impact people still to this day. My daughter is now a senior in college. Um, but, you know, it impacts people when mm-hmm. when their mom and dad aren't around. And um, I think it made us stronger and closer, and God used it for good. I saw the body of Christ come around us and take care of us. Yeah. So it's really just, for me, um, a beautiful story of the challenges it brought um, and the courage it built in my own children to have their daddy gone for three different years of their lives um, and who they are today is part of their story. And, um, and, and we would say it's a beautiful thing, even though obviously a hard thing. Right. Of course. Did, 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 would you say that at, at some point, Sherry, that as, as your kids got older, that they look back on that now and they understand what their dad was a part of with respect to nine 11. For sure. Um, and because of it, one of my sons now, um, is a physical therapist with the veterans hospital because he wanted to, um, give back to the veterans, Mm. seeing what his dad and his dad's friends went through. Um, all my children have a, a great respect for the military because of all that. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful, and that's why, uh, you know, that the story that they live through is a story that you can share and others can share in order to help other people try to see that light and try to get their perspectives in a healthy place. That's just an awesome one. Sherry, thank you so much for calling. I really appreciate it. Uh-huh. Thank you. You're Take welcome. Care. Take care. Uh, and that's like, uh, Billy, I'm going to share this. This is my friend Bill on <clears throat> Facebook who's been a dear friend for years. I told you, it doesn't take long until you – run into somebody that has a direct connection uh, to 9-11. So, Bill, my friend on Facebook Live, uh, we were in Passau, Germany, boarding a Viking riverboat to go down the Danube, so on a river cruise. The couple with us had a daughter who worked in the towers who put their child in daycare at the towers. They finally connect her to find out she left the child with her husband. So now you're like our kid, our, our, our daughter, and our grandchildren. So they finally connected, found out. But she left the child with her husband uptown. She walked out of the subway right after the first impact and walked up to Midtown. My youngest son took off from Reagan an hour before the flight, which crashed in Pennsylvania. I knew a lot of the folks from my hometown who worked on the bond for the bond company on the top floor. So his hometown, a bunch of people worked at the bond company. I don't know if that was Kane or Fitzgerald or who it was. 17. So the 17 from my old golf club were killed. 17. And... <laughs> Life is fragile, right? As a follow-up, uh, Bill wrote this. We ended up in Budapest, but they hadn't resumed flights back to the U.S., so we had to wait. What was interesting was the cities down the Danube that we stopped put out long black claws on the sides of the buildings to signify mourning. <laughs> Jeez. We were told not to wear anything that might identify us as Americans. 
about that. Here's another one. Thanks, Ryan. In the middle of training that morning, uh, then interrupted to be informed to return to our units, America is under attack. The day Fort Hood became a closed post, three-hour traffic for those off post to get on post, no going off post to lunch. Took months to redo unit schedules to stagger influx of off post living and manage, create new post access procedures, then massive train up to move thousands of pieces of equipment and deploy. Man, yeah, that, that, that everybody became active military. I mean, even if they were active, they weren't active like that. And then all of a sudden, all those things are going on. I remember uh, a buddy of mine uh, used to work for me, and he was part of the story on Monday. And uh, I called him on 9-11. I, I called I called Harry at, uh, it was probably 1130, maybe noon, because uh, Harry, who had used to work for me and then had his own business, uh, had been a Navy SEAL. And I think he had a cousin or something that was a Navy SEAL still and another buddy that were Navy SEALs. And so we were all thinking, you know, hit back, military, we're going to war somewhere with someone. This is going to happen. That day, I mean, it's pretty obvious. And so I called him. And it was Harry and I several weeks later that were like, hey, let's, we got to do something. And then we raised some money, and that's when I went to New York. But uh, I remember calling him and saying, hey, hey, have you talked to your cousin or your other, guy, your other buddies in the uh, SEALs? He's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I called their houses already. They're gone. They left already. Uh, where are they going? Their, their wives have no idea where they're going. They have no idea when they're coming back. How about that? Your husband's a special forces on 9-11, and he's gone by noon. Out of here. See ya. Where are you going? I don't know. When are you coming back? I don't know. To that point, right, from our last caller. And three out of six years, her husband's gone because he's in the reserves. And, and then that's why I asked that question about their children. Like, do they understand now why dad was gone? And, and yeah, and they have a deep appreciation for the military. Your son helping veterans as a, as a physical therapist. Awesome. Fruit coming off a very bitter tree, right? So I can ho- only hope one day, like in my family, uh, because I became an activist really starting in 2001 in November. And then that kept blossoming. And then I got involved in a lot of things. And I was gone a lot. And then I worked at the Harvest Crusades and Greg Laurie. All, that, all those doors opened because of where this started. And I was gone a lot. I was doing a lot of stuff. I was very busy. And, and you know, I'm thinking at the time, hey, I'm doing great things. I'm doing godly things. It, it's all good. And now when you talk to my kids about it now, all these years later, they're, they're like, Dad, you were gone all the time. I'm like, what? I don't, I don't remember that. And they're like, yeah, it was super hard. And my hope is at some point, and, and I think they're probably in that ballpark now, that they realize that there was a, a good reason, most of the time anyway, that Dad would be gone trying to pursue something bigger than just our family, trying to make a difference. But you also have to take care of your family, right? Concentric circles. Family is the innermost mission. And then out from there, it's difficult. One day, it won't be. Are you ready for that day? One day, it won't be, which will be awesome. But you're going to have to be in heaven to experience that. And I hope you will be. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward.